It's time for Lala's Bedtime Tales. Grab your wine, dim the lights, and get ready to listen to an oh-so-sexy bedtime story. I'm Lala, and I'm going to tell you an erotic story guaranteed to turn you on and get you hot and bothered. So, listen up, listen up, listen up. Hey, sexy people, this is Lala, and I want to welcome you back for another erotic Halloween story to get you through to the end of spooky season. Spooky season, spooky season. Love can be a powerful thing. Love can be magical, pleasurable, and fulfilling. But love can always twist into something and chaotic. Some say there are people out there that have even died from a broken heart. In this week's tale, Maya Harris knows all about the misfortunes of love and she had such a disastrous love life that you won't be able to wrap your mind around the insanity of it all. Maya Harris is definitely cursed by love in ways you can't even imagine. So listen up. As I walk into the apartment that I share with Reggie, my boyfriend of two years, I hum to myself. I feel panic rise in my throat as I see rose petals in the entryway and lit candles neatly lined up against the wall. Damn it, I think to myself. It's not February. So I didn't forget Valentine's Day. And it's October, so I know it's not our anniversary. My mind begins to race as I follow the trail of rose petals and the sexy music to the kitchen that leads me to a candlelit dinner in the small dining room area of our apartment. I nervously cast my gaze to Reggie, standing in front of the table looking as handsome as ever, dressed in gray slacks and a pale blue button-down exposing the column of his throat. God, he knows I love a man when he's all dressed up. Am I missing something? I question, dumbfounded, as I feel fear trickle up and down my spine as I try to slow my harsh breathing. (laughs) No, Maya, you didn't forget an anniversary or a special date night. Well, at least not this time, Reggie responds jokingly. Somehow, my feet jerkily have moved towards Reggie, closing the short gap between us as I take the long stemmed single rose he extends to me. I feel my body fluster and anxiety begins to make the room spin. I coyly take the rose from him, not realizing he had been holding it out to me this whole time. I feel a chill wave across my body, and I know it's not from the temperature in our apartment but my rising suspicion of why he went through all this work to make such a romantic gesture. He pulls out a chair at the table and I take a seat, swallowing hard. I notice that he went and picked up a pizza and a salad from D. Alessandro's Pizza, where we had our first date. He claps both of his hands around my trembling hands on the table and smiles at me. His beautiful, broad smile makes the feeling of infallible love force through my body as our dark eyes clash across the table. You're you're not going to tell me that you're riddled with guilt because of an affair that you have just ended, I ask, holding in a breath in anticipation of his response. Reggie's eyes grow to the size of saucers within his face, and he yanks his head back as if I bitch slapped the hell out of him. Knowing kind-hearted Reggie, my words probably feel like a literal hard slap across his face. The accusation of infidelity more than likely battered his hopeless romantic heart. No, baby. Why are you so freaked out about a sweet gesture? I just want you to know that you are loved, Reggie exclaimed. Since me being a romantic is causing an atypical response of any woman whose man is trying to show her how much she needs them, 
I'll skip forward a little bit. Reggie laughs as he pulls a little box out of his pocket. He pushes it across the table in my direction. The room starts to tilt back and forward. And terror inches up my throat. Fuck! I shout out loud and it brings a smile to Reggie's face. He probably thinks I'm swearing out of joy and excitement, but I don't know how to respond as my vision starts to blur with tears. At this moment, I wish he had told me he was trying to make amends for cheating on me with a nameless woman. Anything but a marriage proposal. I could take anything but his current sweet and romantic action. The tears I begin to shed are not tears of bliss but fright of the unknown that will unfold from these events. I see Reggie's lips moving, and I'm sure the hopeless romantic and poet that he is, he's telling me in the most lovingly and creative way how he loves me, and he can't wait to spend the rest of our lives together. My mind comes back to reality as I hear him say, Maya, I know love and affection makes you feel uncomfortable, so I'm not expecting you to answer right now. Reggie has opened the box and I see a beautiful Morganite gemstone engagement ring encircled with diamonds. It's gorgeous and he captivates my heart since he knows I never wanted a traditional engagement ring, but something unique to me and my taste. It's beautiful, I quietly say, as he walks around the table, bends down on one knee, and places it on my ring finger, staring the gesture with a soft kiss to my palm. He stands up and pulls me out of the chair and engulfs me into the warmth and natural calming scent of his body. I look up at him through tears and his lips passionately crash into mine. We stand there wrapped in one another's arms as we passionately kiss until our lips are bruised and swollen. I shake the bad thoughts from my mind and mask my fears with a flirty smile as I break away from him and begin to undo the tiny row of buttons on the front of my cotton sundress. Reggie's eyes darken with desire and his tongue licks the seam of his lips in anticipation of what's to come. As I shimmy out of my sundress and stand before Reggie in my white lacy bra and thong, he doesn't hesitate to sweep me into his arms and carry me into our bedroom. My body ignites with excitement as I think about how Reggie always sweetly, lovingly, and passionately makes love to me in a way that shows me how much he loves me. He lays me on the bed like I'm something fragile, and he begins undressing himself, his eyes never leaving mine. I remove my bra and thong and begin to tease my nipples and play with myself between my thighs. Reggie moves to cover my body with his as he begins to slowly run kisses down the column of my neck to the tops of my breasts. He buries his head between my thighs and licks his way to my heated and wet core, and I feel my sexual arousal hoarse through my body. Reggie tenderly strokes his tongue on my clitoris and fingers me until I throw my head back and surrender to my orgasm. He crawls back up my body and kisses me passionately as I push him down on the bed and begin to slide down on his hard, erect dick. And then I ride him, meeting him thrust for thrust until my orgasm builds and we come together in complete ecstasy. I wake the following day with a migraine, so bad and torturous, and it feels like someone is continuously jamming an ice pick through my eye from the back of my neck. There's screeching in my head, getting louder and louder and I can hear the voices of my paternal female ancestors yelling at me in my head. I try to get out of bed and make it to the bathroom, but I feel myself fall to the floor as beads of sweat 
drip down my body, and I smell something rotten that I can't quite make out. I curl into the fetal position and wait until this all too familiar experience passes. I feel myself come back to life with a heaviness in my heart, unsure how long I've laid on the floor crippled with pain. But the headache is gone and the voices have settled. I sit upon my hunches on the floor and my world tilts upside down as I notice Reggie hasn't moved from the position in which he lays. Reggie, I call out, wincing in pain, as I push my body to crawl back onto the bed beside him. I shake his shoulder, and he doesn't move. I place my ear near his mouth, and I don't hear him breathing. Reggie is lying lifeless on our bed, soaked in urine, and his eyes refuse to open. I shake his shoulder harder this time as I think, Shit, not again. I let out a scream of grief as I leap out of the bed to find my phone. I begin pacing back and forth across the bedroom floor, running my hand through my sweaty, tangled curls as my mind takes me back to that dark and brutal summer 13 years ago when this first happened and I found out I was a witch. Don't tell your sister. I'll tell her because I think it's best if she hears it from her best friend. I whisper as Sean grasps my chin and kisses me with so much desire, I begin to feel lightheaded. We start to dress quickly before my dad wakes up and realizes that I have a boy in my bedroom in the middle of the night. Okay, Maya, I will give you 24 hours to let Stacy know about us. I love you. And I don't want to keep this a secret anymore, especially after tonight, he whispers back and kisses my forehead as he climbs out of my bedroom window. I watch him shimmy down the side of the house and run across the street to his pickup truck. He turns his blonde head and looks at me and gives me one of his cocky half smiles that makes me feel butterflies in my stomach. I smile as I lay in my bed and think about my love for Sean and how sweet he made my first time. But this happiness was short-lived when I woke up the next morning with a crippling migraine and the loud screeching whispers in my head. Later that day, my dad informed me that my first love, Sean, and his twin sister, my best friend Stacy, had been in a fatal car crash and neither of them had survived. I snap back to reality and feel my chest tighten with panic and the candles in my room start to burst into flame. As I begin to dial my Auntie Eva's number, the phone rings and it's her calling me. Hello, sweetheart, my Auntie Eva says as I answer the phone. She hears my gut-wrenching howls of despair since my mouth doesn't allow me to form a sentence. Oh, my sweet girl. I felt the ancestors, and I knew something wasn't right. Reggie is dead, isn't he? My aunt exclaims, expressing the words my mouth won't let me say. I, I, I have to bring him back to life. I, I can't, and it can't, it can't happen again. I stammer, rushing into my walk-in closet and pressing up one of the floorboards to grab my spell book and ceremonial candle. Don't you fucking dare dabble in that dark magic shit for selfish reasons. You know our coven's code, especially since you're the new high priestess. You do that, Maya, you will unleash darkness into this world that we can't foresee coming, my aunt says fervently. Put that shit back and I'll call over the four strongest witches from the coven to help you with Reggie. Maya, this isn't anything new. It's been happening since that summer you found out you were a witch. There's nothing you can do about the fate that has befallen any man who chooses to love you if they're not your hand-picked soulmate by the ancestors. This is the curse of the Adama lineage, Aunt Eva exclaims callously. I hang up on her without a goodbye. I pace up and down the floor with my heart bleeding for Reggie. 
as I try to figure out my next move. Cordelia, Celeste, Zola, and Aisha arrive at my apartment within a half hour. Aisha gives me a comforting hug and I can feel her using her spirit magic to calm my nerves so we can dispose of Reggie's body. As I look at the other three witches, there is an annoyance in their eyes. And you couldn't carve through the tension in the room with a knife, even if you wanted it to disappear. Okay, we can bury him near or in the Crowfield Plantation Lake. We can use my water magic and Zola's earth magic to conceal his body so no one can find him. Cordelia states as she begins instructing the other witches and me to use her magic to cleanse the apartment of death and spell magic and to wrap Reggie's body into the bedding. Zola and Celeste have brought in a huge old foot trunk to transport the body. Aisha utilizes her spirit elemental magic to crush Reggie's body so that it will fit into the foot trunk and all five of us pick it up and carry it to Celeste's SUV. I help push him into the trunk breathing harshly from the physical and mental weight of carrying Reggie's dead body out of the apartment. I get in beside him as Celeste drives us to Crowfield Plantation. By the time we arrive, night has fallen and we carry his body to the edge of the lake. And I numbly suggest, why don't we burn the body? I can use my elemental fire magic to do it, especially since I've created this mess. Plus, it'll be harder to track if it's just ashes and we can throw them into the lake. The four other witches study me intensely, and Zola uses her magic to open the latches of the old foot trunk, and I close my eyes as the lifeless body of Reggie confronts me. Whatever you think is the best, High Priestess, Zola sarcastically states as she rolls her dark eyes at me. I push down my bubbling anger because she has every right to be annoyed with me since they're always helping me clean up my messes. Aisha uses her spirit magic to lift Reggie out of the foot trunk and place his body on the ground of the woods. I channel all my energy and emotions towards Reggie's corpse until he ignites on fire. Aisha strokes my back as I watch Reggie's body burn to a crisp as tears of sorrow stream down my face. Once Reggie has been reduced to a pile of ashes, Celeste uses her air magic to lift the ashes and sprinkle them into the lake. Then Zola and Cordelia join hands and do the all too familiar spell to conceal his body with water and earth. Once we've cleansed the air of our presence and the smell of death, we all pile back into Celeste's car and we ride back to my apartment in silence. I hold my head in my hands as my teeth chatter from the freezing cold air in the Charleston's precincts interrogation room. I've been in a trance since I woke up to the inevitable fate of Reggie's death that ill-fated morning six months ago. In my heart, I knew this was going to be our fate because it always is when a man professes his love to me. I caused Reggie's death by letting him get too close to me and for allowing him to love me. My heart aches for the beautiful and sweet man I've adored over the past couple of years. I feel sick to my stomach with self-hatred of what evil was unleashed on him for daring to love me. I hear the door to the interrogation room open and I look up. And my breath catches as I feel betrayed by my body's sexual response to the gorgeous man entering the room. His cold, gray, blank stare holds my eyes as my gaze quickly roams over his appearance from head to toe. He's tall and lean and is wearing a black suit. And if it weren't for the badge around his neck, you'd think he just set foot off of the set of the Sopranos are the Godfather. He takes a seat across from me, and I know I shouldn't be having these sexual thoughts. So shortly after Reggie, a man who loved me, literally to death, whose ashes are floating in a Charleston lake, 
But this man is so sexy and so attractive. His piercing gray eyes complement his Mediterranean skin tone and dark hair. His face is beautifully symmetrical, leaving me to wonder why the hell he's a cop and not some high fashion elite model. Hi, I'm Detective Lombardi with Charleston's PD's Homicide Department. I'm one of the senior homicide detectives, and I'd like to ask you a few questions. Detective Lombardi says, searching my eyes that I school behind an emotionless mask. Oh shit, I think to myself. I had been telling everyone, including Reggie's family, that he'd just gotten up and left out of the blue. Tired and restless of me not giving him the affection he needed and reassurance that his love was reciprocated. After a month, his family filed a missing persons report, and I told the police he got up and packed his suitcase and left, and I hadn't seen him since. So now, why was homicide involved? I questioned myself while my mind raced for all the worst possible outcomes. Homicide? Not missing persons? I questioned quietly, feeling the anger boil through my veins because I didn't ask for this cruel fate. Even though, in my heart, I feel like I led Reggie to his unbeknownst death due to selfishness and loneliness, I know I didn't literally kill him, at least not in the eyes of South Carolina's legal system. Well, yes, this interview is just a precaution. Since you guys were romantically involved, we want to check all angles. You're not being arrested, this is just a conversation, and you can go at any time you wish. The beautiful detective states woodenly. His eyes watch me intensely. As I take in a deep breath to calm myself and let it out. I mean, he proposed. And I didn't give him a definitive answer. Instead, I took him to our bed. Fucked him. And then woke up the next morning and he was gone. I said vehemently back to him in a fit of hysterical emotion. I can tell from the raise of his eyebrows my directness and crassness throws him off slightly. But I don't give a fuck. I'm tired, cold, and regret adhering to my auntie's advice and not raising Reggie from the dead when I had the opportunity. Reggie didn't deserve to die. He was a beautiful, sweet, and loving soul. I feel tears spill from my eyes as gut-wrenching sobs tear from my body. I guess... I apologize, Ms. Harris. I'm sure it's hard for your fiancé to leave you in the middle of the night and then you do not know why or what happened to them. Detective Lombardi musters up as he touches my arm. I feel a spark flood my body and I feel between my thighs begin to grow wet, making my soul fill with even more guilt but also ignite with lust and magic. Our eyes collide and I realize he's felt it too, as his face gets flustered and he clears his throat as he squirms in his seat. It's just, I've been asked to look into Reginald Johnson's case because he's vanished without a trace. This seems like there's a pattern that keeps occurring with you in the middle of it. My tears blind me, and the pit of my stomach feels hollow because I know exactly what he's inferring and how it might look suspicious. But unfortunately, death follows me. Over the past five years that I've been living in Charleston, my coven of witches in South Carolina have had to help me dump a few male bodies that have all professed their love to me in this short time. So it's the same tiresome pattern each time. I get lonely and I meet a man, we date, we screw. He falls in love with me. He died. I closed my eyes and rubbed my throbbing temples as I forced those horrible thoughts out of my mind. Pattern? I cry, playing stupid and giving my best dumbfounded expression. Detective Lombardi starts listing familiar names, and I hold my composure until he comes to two in particular. Stacy and Sean St. Clair, Detective Lombardi starts, 
but I jump up and scream and I knock the files on the floor. I feel myself become enraged and I feel the warmth of his hard muscle-toned body as he embraces me, trying to get me to calm down in my moment of hysteria. I rip out of his arms and know I have to leave before this police precinct goes up in flames. My body overcomes with emotion and I feel my fire magic coursing through my veins. The more enraged I become with him mentioning my best friends and first lover. I have to get away for the safety of this beautiful man and the others within this building. When my emotions get out of my control, hell have no furry like an elemental fire witch's scorn. I wrestle myself out of his hole, but as I turn to flee, he grabs my wrist and yanks me around to face him, and my stomach crashes into his jutting erection. At that moment, the sexually charged air around us crackles and sizzles. We've drawn towards each other like a moth to a flame. So I seek comfort in his beautiful, rosy, plump mouth. The electrifying kiss deepens and goes on until we both hear the interrogation room door open and he pushes me away with disgust. I take this opportunity to turn on my heels and flee. I briskly depart from the police precinct and vow to never go back into one willingly again. If Detective Lombardi or one of his police buddies wants to speak to me, they'll have to do it with an arrest warrant in my attorney present. Is there a way for us to even break this curse without crossing the lines and using black magic for personal gain? Zola retorted, crossing her arms under her big breasts and narrowing her eyes at me in frustration. I called a meeting with the four strongest witches in my coven and explained that the police had begun snooping around. I turned a sharp, authoritative glance to Zola. She had resented me ever since the night the ancestors had chosen me as the high priestess during our last full moon ceremony because I had a direct blood connection to the Adama lineage through my dad's family tree. I was the last and youngest female of the Adama lineage and unless I had a daughter, the leadership of our coven by an Adama descendant would die out with me. I rolled my eyes and continued. I think there is a way if we do a ceremony under the next crescent moon and connect all of our powers of the five key elements, water, fire, air, earth, and spirit, and I make a blood offering that we can rid me of this curse and you guys won't be called upon to do any more dirty work to help me hide the body. Or you could just keep your legs closed. Zola blurted out under her breath. Aisha bumped her shoulder as the other two girls snickered. I think it's worth a try, Aisha said, giving me a warm smile, and the other two girls agreed, leaving Zola outnumbered and simmering with hate. Then it's settled. We will try to break the curse at the next crescent moon, I eagerly say, as I feel myself filled with hope and excitement of finally being free of this curse. This is my first time stepping foot into D. Alessandro's pizza since the death of Reggie. I close my eyes and see visions of Reggie play in my mind. That night, the last night, I see his tall, muscular frame standing in front of the romantic dinner table set up. His beautiful smile, his fresh cut fade, and his glowing ebony skin. He was a beautiful man with beautiful soul. I open my eyes and order Reggie's favorite pizza of extra cheese, pepperoni, bacon, and pineapple. (laughs) I laugh to myself at our arguments of if pineapple even belonged on pizza. The cashier probably thinks I'm crazy as I pay. It's been a little over six months since I woke up that morning and Reggie lay on our bed like a limp and lifeless ragdoll. Over six months of grief, self-loathing, and hating my birthright as a high priestess of my coven of witches. Due to the bloodline of my African-American father, I am the descendant of the powerful Adama lineage. African witchcraft has been generationally passed down through 
all of the women in my father's family and became even more powerful when they had to arm themselves to survive the horrors of American slavery. American slavery was when the Adama lineage curse or blessing, depending on who you ask, came into fruition to supposedly protect the hearts and souls of the women of this family. I hear the jingle of the bell on the pizzeria door and it brings me out of my thoughts. I turn around and roll my eyes in disgust as Detective Dante Lombardi, the bane of my existence, stands a few feet away. He's been constantly lurking around due to his disbelief that Reggie's just the missing person. So, this handsome detective is determined to prove that I, in some way, played a role in Reggie's disappearance and it was indeed a homicide because there was a definite pattern. Based on Sean's cause of death, I assume every other man died like him, including Reggie. His death was probably due to an aneurysm of the heart. It's as if these men's love for me kills them from the inside out. You know, stalking is against the law, detective. I bite out, feeling sexual desire cause heat to draw flush to my pecan brown skin as I run my hand through my long mess of tangled curls as I try not to think of my body becoming aroused every time he's near me. Dante stands across from me with his hands in his wool overcoat, his gray eyes taking in my appearance as he runs his hands nervously through his dark crop of hair. I can tell he's not bearing any better to the sexual tension between us as his skin mirrors my flesh and he fidgets. <clears throat> he clears his throat, shoving his hands in his trouser pockets and says, one, I am the law. And two, I've seen you twice in the course of two months. That hardly counts as stalking or harassment. But how does that saying go? A guilty dog barks. I take slow, deep breaths, trying to calm myself and rein in my fiery temper. Little does Dante know, I could end him right here by summoning my control and connection to the fire in this pizzeria and with one little spell and poof, he'd be gone and no longer a pain in my ass. He just left town, I begin to say, but Dante finishes my sentence in unison with me, like all the rest. He is the only man I have ever known to arouse me to so much fury and hate, but to invade my dreams with erotic thoughts of him. His mere closeness to me makes my nipples grow taut with one, and my clitoris begin to throb with excitement. Since that kiss in the interrogation room that day, many of my vibrators have gone dead with my need to climax to the sexy and annoying man. Dante steps closer, trying to intimidate me by invading my space, but the look in his eye tells a different story. I'm sure he spent many sleepless nights yearning for me to quench his sexual desires, with only his hand to bring him a modicum of bleeding relief. I saw you at the library last week, so to my knowledge, there have been at least three encounters with you in the last month. The way you find me, who knows how many dark corners you've been lurking in or how many times a day you follow me around Charleston in your car. I blurt out, crossing my arms across my chest. I see his eyes travel down to my breast and stay there as his eyes lazily roam over my cleavage. For a second, it's almost as if his sexual want for me takes precedence over all other thoughts in his mind. But his eyes snap back up to mine as if he's trying to see into my soul. The cashier calls my name and hands me my pizza, and I brush past Dante and out the pizzeria into my car. As I walk to my car, I think about how I am a strong and powerful elemental witch who knows thousands of ancestor spells and can bring world peace to our planet with white magic or destroy it with dark magic. So, why was I letting this melancholic detective get under my skin? You called our boss asking for police to show up for a children's event you were hosting at the Charleston Public Library. 
It's really shocking that you're a children's librarian, by the way. Dante states, taking the conversation in a completely different direction. Almost as if he wants to get to know me, and I'm an enigma to him. I didn't realize he had left the restaurant after me and was now following me to my car. Once we reached my car, I turned around abruptly, causing him to bump into the large pizza box, causing him to grab my waist to keep his balance. This contact makes me hot and so fucking horny that I decide I need to drive this man out of my mind and get the sexual release we both need and have won it since the day we met in the precinct. I look defiantly up into his gray eyes and question sharply. Does it turn you on that I'm a librarian? Do you have fantasies of fucking this librarian? Is that the fucking reason you can't leave me alone? His nostrils flare and his head descends as he possesses my lips, pushing me against my car and I can feel his stiff and hard erection tinting the front of his pants. Dante carries me on his hips from the elevator of his apartment building down his corridor into his apartment. During this time, he only breaks his lips away from me once to frantically fish his keys out of his pocket and unlock his door. Oh baby, we're not going to make it to the bed. He gasps between kisses as he swallows my moan as he peels my white sweater off my body. I start to giggle as we struggle to frantically free one another from the bear of our clothes. His body is on fire for me as I feel the warmth of his skin that's sensitive to my touch. I stroke his long, hard, and thick erection as he sucks on my neck and caresses my heavy breasts and nipples that are painfully elongated due to my sexual need for him. Dante gently pushes me away and turns me around and growls, grab your fucking ankles. He begins to set my skin on fire as he sucks on my neck and licks his way down my back to my ass cheeks. He slaps me on my ass hard, making my pussy drip with desire as he barks out, fucking do it. I'm so turned on by how his need to dominate even plays into his sexuality. I grab my ankles and feel pleasure shoot from my head to my toes as he rims my asshole and then feces on my hot core with his tongue as he pinches and strokes my clitoris. He causes me to become so turned on and so aroused. I quickly splinter into pieces as an intense orgasm rips through my body within minutes of him pleasuring my hot, wet pussy. Get on all fours, Dante demands as he fingers me, playing with the tight button of nerves in the center of my core, making me thrash and quiver as I begin to kneel on all fours without hesitation. He sends me into another intense climax, this time only with his fingers. And before I can come down from this mind-blowing pleasure, he thrusts into me from behind, filling me completely. Dante's dick fills me so completely that I can feel him in my stomach and I hear him growl in pleasure from being balls deep inside of me. Dante fucks me so fast and so hard that all you can hear is hot flesh against hot flesh and harsh breathing and pleasurable moans from uh. both of us. Then he bites down hard into my shoulder as we both fly high into an orgasm so intense we collapse on the floor of his entryway. I open the door to my townhome and find the strongest elemental witches within my coven there to help me break the curse that Adama has passed down through my lineage. Fuck, I thought to myself. As the high priestess of my coven, the other witches had full access to my home to come and go as they pleased. Because my home was our sanctuary, place of peace and community, 
as well as where we gathered to practice our witchcraft and strengthen our magical powers. Cordelia, the water witch, gave me a mischievous grin as she sprinkled water around my townhome as a cleansing spell to ready us for the upcoming ritual. Cordelia was attuned to others' deep emotions as a water witch, so she already knew just from feeling my energy that I had made an emotional connection with a new man. I silently called on our ancestors in hope she kept her mouth closed, not to set Zola off causing her to refuse to help break this curse. I scurried past her, averting my eyes to make it to my bathroom to shower and cleanse myself before the ceremony. As much as I despised Dante, I didn't want him to die by curse if he ever felt any strong emotions for me. I stepped out of the shower and wrote a cleansing spell on a piece of paper and burned it over my candle to purify my aura and connect with the fire within me. I descend the stairs to my backyard in nothing but my black velvet cloak to commence the ritual to set my descendants and me free of Adama's curse. I look up into the sky and feel my magic soar through my body as my skin drinks in the power and connection to the beautiful crescent moon. The girls have all of our candles lit so it can strengthen the fire magic blossoming within me to end this bullshit once and for all. However, when I get to them, they all have solemn looks on their face with their heads held high. I feel the pit of my stomach drop and fear creeps into my soul as Aisha, the elemental witch of spirit, steps forward to speak. We believe in the reasoning behind Adama's curse and we've spoken to Eva and have found out the mission of what could happen to all of us if this ritual and spell backfires, that this isn't just an elemental spell, but a spell that uses dark magic. Aisha snarls, crossing her arms over her chest and standing her ground with me. Shit! I feel my stomach swirl and panic, not only because my aunt has revealed my to these witches, but because I feel my allyship and Aisha dwindle due to my omission. I feel fury and my temper becomes ablaze as all the candles in the yard begin to flicker like crazy. I hold my hands over a candle as the fire grows into a ball and I snarl at them, but I am your high priestess, how dare you go against me. As gray witches, we have a reason to use dark magic and elements to end this curse. In my 30 years of life, 11 people have died because of this curse. How many more shall die? None. 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 The women saying innocent as they stare at me, linking arms showing me that it's them against me if things go south. I feel saddened and betrayed by both my coven and my auntie. Then how shall we keep these men from dying? I ask in a fit of rage. Stop having relations with men until you know that they are the one. Eva told us that you should feel a draw and a connection, that you have the same lover in each reincarnated lifetime. So your bond is so strong that you're always drawn to them in a way that sexual energy crackles and you can sense each other no matter where you are in the world. Eva wants us to tell you to stop fighting your destiny, but embrace it. You will know when you have found your true soulmate. Zola, the elemental witch of the earth says with conviction, I fall to my knees and scream at the top of my lungs as the candle's flames explode. But Cordelia steps in and silences my chaos by balancing out my firepower with her water magic. Reggie is the 11th person that has died in my life because Adama cursed her female descendants to not feel the same heartache as her by choosing their true loves versus following the fate of who is your one true soulmate. She was a foolish woman who thought her slave master's son loved her but betrayed her by selling off their children to other plantations. This vow does not protect my destiny, but punishes that of her and her lover's offspring because she was a bitter bitch. 
I cry out in agony as Aisha, the elemental witch of spirits and souls, touches my back and whispers a calming spell in my ear as she marks my forehead with a crescent moon. I fade into a dark, serene calm. I channel all of my anger, pain, and hurt into Dante's body over the next few weeks. If he falls in love with me and dies, then so be it. I've decided to embrace my destiny based on Auntie Eva's advice. Tonight was no different as I laid in his bed with my ankles pushed over my head as he thrust into me and fed my magic and lust for him. His face is flush and his gray eyes look down into mine as I push his head towards mine and kiss his mouth hard with fervor. His thrust becomes hard and faster as he penetrates me so deep it's as if our souls entwine while we fuck. I feel my orgasm knock the breath out of my body as he convulses around me in a strong, earth-shattering release and rolls off my body and lays next to me on the bed as he fights to catch his breath. I crawled on top of him and kissed his panting lips as I make my way down his body with my tongue. I lick and gently bite on his nipple and run my tongue down his muscular torso to his still erect dick. I place my mouth on it and circle my tongue around the tip as his breathing becomes harsher and faster. I push his large erect dick into my mouth and suck as I feel the fire magic ignite in my veins as my chakras begin to rattle inside me from the sexual excitement I am feeling as my mouth fucks and sucks Dante's dick. Stop! I want to be inside of you, he commands through labored breath as he yanks me on top of him. I spread my knees on both sides of his thighs and lower myself down on his solid and rigid velvety manhood as I face away from him. I like fucking him in reverse cowgirl so I can play with my clitoris and nipples and only allow him to hear my pleasure and not be able to see it. It makes the sex so much hotter for me because he bucks in frustration and fucks me harder as he slaps my ass and strokes his big strong hand up and down my spine. I grind my hips and control our speed as I ride the wave of pleasure. I begin to quiver and shiver from desire as my orgasm courses through my body and I feel Dante grab my hips to ride the end of my wave of pleasure into his own climax. I collapse on top of him and he rolls to his side and kisses my mess of curls as I hear him say, damn, I love fucking you. It's like we become one body, one soul, and one heartbeat as we fuck. <sighs> I let out the breath I had begun to hold as I heard the phrase, I love, come out of his mouth. But then I hear his breathing slow into a rhythm of sleep as he cuddles closer to me in the spoon position. The next morning, I wake up with my head lying across Dante's chest and hear him whisper my three most dreaded words. I love you. I wait a few minutes for the crippling migraine and the loud whispers of my ancestors to start in my head. But they don't come. This is the third time that Dante has whispered those words to me in slumber in the past few weeks. Each time, I brace myself for his death, but it never comes. I feel myself sucking a breath of relief, wiggle out of his arms, and head towards the bathroom. En route to his bathroom, I notice a slightly ajar closet door, and I can't help myself. My curiosity gets the best of me, and I peer into the closet, and my heart sinks, and I feel a sour taste in my mouth as bile crawls up my throat and my breathing becomes labored. 
I fall to my knees in anguish because of everything needed to destroy me and my coven is in this closet. In this closet are crossbows, guns, bullets, and worst of all, Adflitho Potion, a witch's kryptonite. Adflitho Potion was all a witch slayer needed to weaken even the strongest of witches to kill them. Dante was not only a senior homicide detective for Charleston PD, but a witch hunter and slayer. How could it be that my lover and one true soulmate could be the very thing that hated my kind and made it his life work to kill witches? Adama didn't want to protect her descendants or me, the strongest high priestess there would ever be to guide our coven. She wanted to end us by binding me to a witch slayer and not allowing any other man the ability to love me to get in the way of my inevitable demise. At that moment, I decided to disappear without a trace. After Reggie's death, I needed a fresh start anyway. And New Orleans had been calling out to me recently. I just hope Dante Lombardi wouldn't have the balls to chase me if he knew what was good for him. So, lovely listeners, it seems like poor Maya is doomed in the love department and can't catch a break. I guess we will all think twice now about wanting someone to love us so deeply that they love us to death, huh? So, do you think Maya's soulmate, Dante, will be the end of her? Or listeners, do you think true love will prevail and love can conquer all? so hot and sexy bedtime stories from Lala's Bedtime Tales. Thanks for tuning in to this week's erotic tale. For more erotic stories, sex tips, love advice, and sexual education, check out lalasbedtimetales.com and Add me on Instagram for more erotic and sensual content at Lala's Bedtime Tales. Please comment and share your fave sexy bedtime stories with erotic enthusiasts like you and me. Ta-ta until next time, sexies.